0: Welcome to the Investor Shed Podcast with Nick Beveridge, the ultimate source for all things investing and beyond. For free tools, tips, and tricks, go to NorthIdahoRei.com. Today's episode, Joe Turner returns as our host and interviews Hillary Beveridge. Joe and Hillary talk about working with your spouse on investment properties, Airbnbs, and understanding how the power of real estate investing can provide for a family. Stay tuned.
1: All right. Today's guest. um, Well, first off, today we have a guest host. I am filling in for Nick Beverage once again because I am interviewing his amazing wife, Hillary Beverage. We thought it'd be fun to get a take on the spouse's perspective of investing. I don't know if any of our awesome listeners... um, have to deal with differences in investment philosophies and getting their spouse on board if maybe they're more or less risk adverse. So we thought it'd be a fun topic and conversation, you know? Yeah. Instead of between two ferns, we have a fake plant between us. So we're calling this segment (laughs) A Fake Plant Between Us. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Hillary. Why, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, So we we just interviewed Nick on the last podcast and got his kind of history and journey with the investment world. So I guess, what is your first memory of real estate, real estate investing, and it's okay if you didn't have any thoughts of it, but just curious kind of where you even thought of real estate growing up?
0: Um, Well, I mean, you always hear about people investing in real estate people buying houses and renting them out and keeping them and then selling them when they're ready to retire and living off of that income. Um, and in theory, it sounded like a great idea, but it also to me just seemed impossible, like, how do you get your money to even buy your first house or to buy a second house or, you know, how do you even get started? Um, and I do remember when I first met Nick. He mentioned he wanted to get into real estate investing and was talking about how he's been to all these seminars and taking all these classes and things like that. And he was real estate agent in Florida and he wanted to get his license up here in Idaho. And I was just like, all right, you do you. I'm going to keep doing my job and everything and um, kind of just thought that I'd stay out of it a little bit. Um, what were your real
1: thoughts as far as, like, because you just started dating him, and he had he had any investments under his belt at that point?
0: Um, he <laughs> bought his first house in Kellogg before I knew him, and that failed miserably for yep. various he reasons. Yeah, he talked about that on the last show. Um, so that was the only experience that he'd had with it so far, other than just going to a lot of seminars, taking a lot of classes, studying up on it, listening to podcasts, basically just immersing himself in everything about real estate investing. Um, so he hadn't really had any successful experience in it yet. Um, but I do remember him saying that he hoped to be a millionaire by the time he was like 35 and I just kind of laughed and was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, which he's not yet. But <laughs> well, he's 33. He's, he's, he's got he's, 2 years. He's on go. his way. He's <laughs> on his way. So, um yeah, that was kind of the first conversation and then once we were together for a while before we were married though, he bought the cat house. Uh-huh. His first kind of flip investment. He talked
1: about it I think a little bit last time. That's the one in Rathdrum where <laughs> um him and his brother kind of just flipped and really made like 44,000 and he realized, Holy cow, I made more on that. Just one stupid deal than being an agent or working in any other jobs and that this could really be something. Yeah. So what did you think when he pulled
0: that off or did you think he was going to pull that off? I did not think he was <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, so I'm more risk averse. So that's where, um, I guess Nick and I differ. I see real estate investing and I've gone to seminars and I'm like, okay, it all looks good on paper and everything. But if it's so good on paper, why isn't everybody doing it already? Um, like there's, it's gotta be some, there's gotta be some catch. So, and I'm just more risk averse. Um, I grew up being taught, you know, get a steady job, save what you can, put money into a 401k, whatever, and, and retire on that. Um, And basically like that you can't really like make money without having money saved to make money, sort of, you know. So when Nick was doing all these real estate seminars and they're like, use other people's money to make money. You don't have to have money to make money in real estate investing. Um, It finally started to sort of click with me a little bit how that works. but just seeing how he did that with the cat house because it was a seller financed deal. Um, he just had to come up with the money to actually do the repairs and flip it. Mm-hmm. But so he bought the property as a seller financed deal, and then um, I can't remember how he got the funds to actually Think flip Clint, it. Clint Paulson. Yeah, and it was only me. like they gave him like twenty grand or something. Mm-hmm. Um, And they YouTube their way through the project. Oh, no, now I remember. They actually did the snake house first. Okay. And they got the funds from the snake house that was funded by Clint Paulson. Um, These are called snake houses and cat houses because when they bought them, there was a snake in the house and then it was cats in the other house. There were lots of cats in one house (laughs) and lots of cat poo.
1: So they have very affectionate names.
0: Yes. Um, So anyways... We bought the cat house first, but we couldn't do anything with it until we got funds from flipping the snake house with a private lender's money and made the profits to then use that to flip. And all this house. time you're just, you're dating, right? right yep. We were dating. But um, you guys
1: became serious pretty quickly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think we might have been been engaged by the time we were doing the cat house or something. Okay. Um, Yeah, we were. Yeah. Because then we got married when we had to live in the cat house for a little bit for capital gains. Okay. Stuff. So you
1: guys chose to move into one we of the... We lived in it
0: for a few, houses. like maybe six months so that we could have owned it for a year, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So if you own something less than a year, typically you're paying short-term capital gains. And if you can live in it for at least a year, then it it's a much lower tax rate.
0: Yep. Yep. So anyways, after seeing what Nick and his brother were able to do with these houses that... When I look at them, I just say, tear them down. And then they're able to repair them and flip them and make a very nice profit. Um, those first two, before I was like, you're an idiot. You shouldn't do that. That's <laughs> me being risk averse. And then he did it. And then I realized that he actually knows what he's doing. It helps that he is a real estate agent in the area. So he knows the market and he knows what he can get for properties once he does fix them. Mm -hmm. And it it helps also that he is pretty, so when I say that I'm risk averse, um, he also actually sort of is because he's smart with his deals. He's got um, like a whole workflow thing that he has to plug in all of his numbers and make sure that he has a good profit margin. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of wiggle room, honestly, with these deals. So now knowing that he... They're not just flippant risks that he's taking. He's not just flying by the seat of his pants and buying houses left and right and being like, maybe it'll work. Mm -hmm. He actually knows pretty much almost, you know, 100% whether it's going to be a good deal or not. Even if we run into unforeseen costs, he's built in buffers for that and we know that it's going to work Mm -hmm. out. So basically at this point, even though I still see these properties and I think tear it down. <laughs> if he's, mm-hmm. if he seems to think that it's going to be good, I just let him go for it. So i am be supportive. Did your mindset
1: change at all when you went from just dating to married and he's taking on these
0: properties? Um, well, there are certain things, especially when we had our first child, when Aubrey was born, um, we were really broke right then. Like I remember being in the hospital with her and he's like, That was four
1: years ago. That was right. I actually met him
0: that week. He like had a bunch of stuff fall apart, a bunch of his real estate deals and stuff like that. And he didn't have any active um, investments or flips going on at the time. Um, And so we just had a baby with problems (laughs) in the NICU and stuff. And then he's like. I don't have any money right now. Like, you know, I should have had this money coming in from whatever deals, but they fell through. And were you working? I mm-hmm. was working and I, I had maternity leave and payment and stuff like that. So we were okay, but it was still, um, it was a little bit of, I guess, kind of like a reality check. Like, you know, it's one thing that I still had income coming in. But when you rely on two incomes, Mm -hmm. um, it definitely was a little bit scary for a minute there. But he's since um, gone out and bought rental properties and stuff like that, which are cash flowing and have provided a big enough buffer on top of what he normally makes from real buying and selling real estate and stuff like that, and just helping people buy houses, or sell houses. um, That have replaced my income. So I don't have to work for the large bank that I used to work for.
1: Yep, and that just happened pretty recently. At the right? start of this year. Start of this yeah. year. So about six, seven months ago. hmm Yep. Um yeah. So we'll go back a little bit though to when you're married now, you just had the baby where's your mindset with him as far as investing and how
0: did you handle that? Um I mean I just really as long as he (laughs) had, you know, his money for his portion of the bills that he normally paid and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of just let him do whatever he wanted to do really. I mean, um, how do you guys handle your finances? If you don't mind, do
1: you just have one account or how do you kind of handle that part of it?
0: We used to have two until this year. Um, I used to have like my accounts with all my stuff and, and we kind of just Divvied up our household finances between each other, kind of just however we aren't really great with like a budget or sticking to a budget really strictly or anything like that. You gotta buy like those that. nachos and ice cream. I know, you gotta buy those nachos and ice cream. But uh then this year, when I quit my job and I wasn't going to be having a paycheck deposited into a, an account anymore, um we just merged and just have um, the one account. Well, technically he has like 10 accounts for all of his businesses but the one personal account that we really use for everything um so yeah now we just live off of of that and i see exactly what he has coming in and and we is,
1: is that more so you pay attention more than you ever used to is yeah. that calm
0: your fears or actually increase your anxiety it calms my fears because i well it kind of does both. I see what we have available, I guess, a little bit more. Like before when I was just looking at what I had, it, it was only half the picture, less than half the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know, you know, we're going without my old income, which was really a lot less in comparison to what he's making, doing real estate, investing and stuff like that. But um, I see all of the money that he has coming in. I also see all of the money that he has coming out because he's running a business with Joe and they um, pay wages for multiple people Mm -hmm. and there are business expenses and things like that. And it um, sometimes can be a little nerve wracking to see, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. for those things going out all the time. It's a, it's a liability. It's something that you know you guys have to make sure that you're making that money every month to pay your employees and um, keep the business going, keep the businesses going. Yeah. So.
1: so, okay, so you, let's talk a little bit about, you quit your job January
0: 1st mm-hmm.
1: with the intentions to help Nick at all or what yep. were you, What was the plan?
0: It was to help Nick. So I am surprised, I'm supposed to be learning more about the flipping and investment side of real estate so that I can help him with those so that he can focus on your guys's team and helping your customers buy or sell real estate Um, and all the things that you guys need to do to build your team up and stuff like that. So I am currently helping get all the permitting done for a new build for a house in Post Falls, a spec home basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Nick has bought a property out in Rathram that as long as everything goes through fine with inspections and everything, we'll be flipping that. And I don't think we've decided yet fully whether we want to keep it as a rental or like try and Airbnb it or if we're just going to flip it and sell it. So that's how do you feel about that? Is that like exciting
1: or are you like, well, I'm just, how do you feel?
0: Um, I like the 12th street one because it's like, everything's fresh from the ground up. It's, there's not going to be much that's unexpected. We have all of our bids from our contractors and stuff. Um, We know what the permits are going to cost. We know generally what lumber and everything is going to cost. So, I mean, like I like that it's a little bit, it's not as mushy, I guess Mm -hmm. of a deal. Um, We know once it's built with the square footage and the bedrooms and the baths and the shop that we're going to put on there, what it's going to be worth and what, basically what we're gonna make off of it so I like that one um the one in rathdrum scares me a little bit because it's an old house Mm -hmm. um it's a really old house and while it looks like generally it just needs like some light cosmetic light-ish cosmetic fixes it's not anything that was like a complete gut job like the cat house or anything Mm -hmm. it's still really old um and it just worries me about what we're going to come across with it, sort mm-hmm. of. But, like I said, he always builds in these buffers and he has margins that are acceptable to him. And he did all the math and the homework on it. And
1: Yeah, and there's lots of options. Like you said, you can keep it as a rental. You can mm-hmm. just flip it. You could Airbnb it. You could tear it down and put a fiveplex on it, from my okay. understanding. Yeah, so it's, it's a great a long-term play, yeah. potentially, is what were just talking about
0: so yeah um so yeah I mean that. it's a it's a lot of work and it's a lot of moving parts and mm-hmm. so I guess sometimes that can be daunting I'm finding that can be daunting while I'm trying to help Nick with this side of his business um there are a lot of moving parts
1: there are and there are also two children involved
0: yeah. how old are they um Aubrey is four and Holden is one and a half So, How are you balancing all of this? (laughs) Um, Fortunately, I mean, they're in daycare most of the time, but with all of the fun things that have been going on this year with COVID and everything, um, there have been some times where their daycares have been shut down or they just have a runny nose and I just don't feel comfortable bringing them in there and I just want to make sure that they... um, Obviously, aren't having any symptoms of anything. You know, if I bring them in there, I want to help keep everybody we come into contact healthy. So, there's a little bit of anxiety for dealing with that in this day and age. Um, So, I haven't been able to step into this new role as much as I had hoped uh, because I've been, there have been many instances where I've been stuck at home with the kids for a week or two. Because Overall, okay, so closures. this
1: this seven months has been pretty crazy. You quit yeah. your job, COVID happened, you're trying to help Nick invest, the kids get sick on and off.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, compare this to, like, any other other years when you just had
0: a steady job. Where do you think you feel? Overall, I like this better because it does give me more flexibility to deal with the stuff that's going on with the kids and, mm-hmm. and in the world right now. So um, before when I worked for a large company, although they were great and I had sick time and stuff like that, there's no way I could have done what I'm doing now and been able to stay home with the kids like I have this year. Um, it would have, and as it had in the past, at that company, there was a lot of anxiety whenever the kids got sick because it was like either Nick had to rearrange his whole day mm-hmm. to stay home with them or I had to stay home with them. And even though they gave us sick days and things like that, um, it's still kind of a precarious position. And not to mention, like they gave me sick days for me. They don't give me sick days for my son and my daughter, you know, like mm-hmm. there's going to be so many days in a year. It just stretches you're pretty thin. So mm-hmm. um, it's been really nice this year not having to be um, – not having to, to manage about – or to worry about working for the man. <laughs> working for the man. In the I place. just work for Nick Beveridge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, so work for the man, and now you're more in the entrepreneur – world, which, how how do you think that ha- your mindset has changed from, I do you still feel like the comfort of, you know, like with your kids, can you envision them like, hey, you really should go to college, get a job, save, or are you completely on the Nick Beverage, like, you don't need to go to college, you need to do the things and learn that way and that kind of stuff?
0: I went to college. I still think college is really great for just getting a foundation for anybody. Um, I think there's a lot of experiences that people can have in college that they wouldn't be exposed to otherwise, a lot of different points of view and things like that, and just knowledge. So I will still hope that my children choose to go to college. Um, but I, I definitely don't think it's, the end all be all obviously Nick has taken a different path and he's very successful in it and whether you get your learning through you know traditional structured college whatever or you choose to go to a bunch of seminars and listen to podcasts and educate yourself and go to real you know real estate class or whatever um, I think you just have to be passionate about it really honestly like case in point I went to college. I wasn't passionate about what I was doing before. Mm-hmm. My husband didn't go to college. He's passionate about what he's doing. He makes a lot more money than I ever did. So um, I think if you're passionate about what you choose to do in life mm-hmm. and you enjoy it, you, you'll most likely be successful. How important do you think it is that your
1: interested, I don't know if you'd call it passionate about real estate, but being married to somebody very passionate about real estate, do you think you have to have a certain level of interest or passion for it as the spouse or what would you say to that?
0: Um I mean, I think that you have to be aware of what they're involved in. I think it eases my mind to know what he's doing and when he explains to me, you know, this is my calculator that I use to figure out whether a deal is worth doing or not, mm-hmm. um, to know exactly how he decides to do a deal or not. Mm-hmm. Um, that eases my mind. So am He I... lives
1: very hard by the 75% rule. Mm-hmm. Is that
0: right? Do you yeah. want to explain that? <laughs> I don't know that I – I mean, basically, um, what he buys – the house for and what the funds that he needs to flip it and any um, fees and things like that, they all have to come in under 75% of what the after repair value value would be. So Mm -hmm. basically as long as, you know, he, he sees a three bedroom, two bath house or whatever. And he knows that if it's fixed up nice, it can sell for, $300,000 and he gets this deal for, well, I don't have a calculator right yeah. now, so I'm all not going to go into for, the math. But yeah. basically, all in for under 75% of that, then he knows it's a good deal. Then he's got that 25% buffer, basically, mm-hmm. that's going to be profit, hopefully. But if other things happen, he's got a lot of wiggle room.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why he has done well since his first disaster of the Kellogg Mm -hmm. House. That and we've been in unprecedented appreciation times, Mm -hmm. too, where we've had double-digit appreciation in our area, which has certainly helped. I would say, you know, I think most of his deals still would have been profitable, but probably not as much without that. Yeah.
0: And as for the passion for real estate, I mean, like, I think it's helpful to be aware and to know what's actually going on. I am passionate about real estate because I've seen what it's done for our family like it's put us in a position that I never thought that we'd be able to be in so mm-hmm. um, in a, an about way I'm passionate about real estate but more just because I know that um, it's worked out really well for us so far and it's going to be we're all in now. So, yeah. It's gonna be the vehicle for, for a bit. For so, doing everything that we want mm-hmm. and getting everything we want out of life and stuff like that and being able to take care of our kids and
1: Do you have any interest in listening to like Bigger Pockets podcasts or reading books or what where do you stand on your own self education about it?
0: I generally don't choose to do that on my own, more because I have two very small children and I don't have time mm-hmm. really to read that much at all right now. Um, or do anything that I want to do on my own. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but on the few occasions that we, Nick and I have been able to like go on road trips or something without Mm -hmm. the kids, we'll usually listen to bigger pockets or, um, he has the audio book for, um, I can't remember what it's called.
1: Your real estate investor or? There's
0: rich dad poor dad we mm-hmm. listened to that one and then the one um, from is it Carnegie?
1: Think and grow rich?
0: No. Oh shoot. Now I can't remember, but it's it's old. It's super old. I think it's It's going to drive me crazy. Yeah, I'm trying How to, to make make friends and
1: influence people.
0: Yeah, that one. That one. I'm I sure. mean, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of good And they are really um a lot of it is just like reaffirming things that you've learned your whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can only be as successful as you're the least successful person that you're hanging out with, or, or something like yeah, that. You're you know, the you five want to surround yourself with people you like- hang out with, mm-hmm. like minded people, sort of. You know, like if you want to be successful, you need to surround yourself with successful people. Um, And yeah, um, and like-minded people and stuff like that. I I think especially your guys' REI event Mm -hmm. that you do every month, Mm -hmm. um, that tool, speaking of surrounding yourself with like-minded people, has been so invaluable to Nick Mm -hmm. in general and just, um, and to you, I think, um, by bringing people together so that they can get the tools that they need and so that they can talk to each other about problems that they're having on deals and figure out how to get through it. Mm-hmm. There's so much that I see Nick wanting to do. And I say, tear the house down and he sees it completely different. And he just says, no, step one, we just have to do this and we'll get through that. And then we go to step two and step three. And, and there are things that I wouldn't have ever contemplated before Mm -hmm. what did you think when he said i'm gonna start this meetup group (laughs) i i thought um at first i was like okay like i guess (laughs) whatever he when he started doing this i think he was 28 29 29 so he's young and he had just started back into real estate up here and so i was kind of like okay what are you gonna talk about and kind of nervous for him and um but then he ended up doing it and starting it. And he's been consistent. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought it would just like fizzle out mm-hmm. and maybe it wouldn't, but it's gained a bunch of momentum. And I think a lot of people rely on it happening mm-hmm. every month.
1: Yeah. It's been interesting with the COVID stuff, trying to do Facebook lives and mm-hmm. and the meetings were still doing it though. Yeah. Five years later, I think he started it five years ago.
0: Yeah. And so much of his business and your business Has come out of that, you know, like the connections that you guys have made with contractors or lenders or title companies or whatever, you know, like that stuff that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And they've they've been invaluable relationships. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been great. I get a little bit frustrated when I'm stuck at home with two little kids by myself. Talk talk to us about do you have a,
1: a memory of Nick? and his investing journey or you two together where it was like crazy frustrating and how you got through it?
0: Oh, I, I mean, generally, I don't know. I can't think of one instance that was like, super horrible or anything there have been times when we've been like really broke and literally like okay we're gonna pay this bill and we can just wait and pay this one in like a couple weeks and we'll have the money for that one so i mean like but i can't remember any specific time like that um that was super frustrating because of his real estate investing or anything
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um there have just been a cult you know combination culmination of a few life events that at the same time were stressful like when Aubrey was born and she was in the NICU for a while um Mm -hmm. and then Nick was oh (laughs) yeah and Nick was just uh trying (laughs) to to still do real estate while we're like having to be at the the NICU for this baby and stuff like that um and then we were broke on top of it that was um a little bit frustrating or unnerving, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, there have also been, where you like get a real job. I can't take this inconsistency. And that's the other thing. So my, my old job, I'd go into work, I'd get done. I didn't have to bring it home at all. Mm -hmm. There are so many times where, (laughs) and it's part of the deal, you know, like you guys are real estate agents. You have to be available for your clients. Mm -hmm. Um, and buying houses for your clients. They're not normally buying a ton of houses all the time. It's a big, it's an emotional deal for them. And a lot of times clients are calling a lot. They need a lot of hand-holding and reassuring and and things like that Mm -hmm. through the buying and selling process. And you guys are on your phones all the time. So when Nick comes home, sometimes it's really frustrating to be like okay we're going to sit down and have dinner and we're going to have to try and corral the kids and get them to sit down and eat dinner with us and then his phone rings Mm -hmm. but he's got to take it or whatever you know so there's a lot of times where i think maybe the parenting aspect i feel like um is maybe a little bit more difficult because of that but then also he has a lot of flexibility so Mm it's it's two-sided he has a lot of flexibility sometimes to just be able to take our daughter to silverwood on a, a day that you know that never would happen with a regular job like mm-hmm. you're not going to take time off to take your kid to silverwood right. but he can make his own schedule so mm-hmm. um those are things that are positives mm-hmm. gotcha too um yeah we were <laughs> when we went and got married in mexico <laughs> He was on the phone the entire time. Oh, I didn't know this. With somebody. and uh, <laughs> With a client, I hope. With, not, with well, with a, client, <laughs> with a client. With a client. And it got really frustrating because um, it, it was just really frustrating to be like, we're literally 3,000 miles away. Yeah, We hardly have service here. And yet...
1: So both those incidences when Aubrey was born and you got married, he was just a single agent. Have you seen any changes now that he has a team or is he still...
0: Now that he has a team, he has a lot more flexibility, a lot more flexibility. Mm -hmm. It's, there's a lot, um, more, there's more of a foundation built up, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um if something happens with a client and we're on vacation, he can ask you to help out or he got sick the other weekend or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he reached out to you to see if you could help with some of showings and things like that. And, um, so now that you guys have the real estate team, he's got a lot more flexibility with that. You know, there's a lot more of support Mm -hmm. there. Um, he's not bearing the whole burden financially. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys share that and and everything. So um, I think, and then since he's been, you know, we've got our rentals and we've got our Airbnb, we have all these other sources of income Mm -hmm. that help with any, you know. I know you've been
1: involved with the Airbnb Uh quite a bit. Can you speak to how, what that deal was, how it's going and your involvement in it?
0: Um, Well, we technically have... Two, one of the apartments that's right um, and a fourplex the basement a of four, a fourplex and a fourplex we chose not to rent out long term and, and try and do it as an Airbnb but then the first couple that rented it as an Airbnb have decided to stay for now it's seven months mm-hmm. which is great because now I don't have to clean it <laughs> <laughs> and it's just they, they're good tenants and stuff like that we made a different um, rental agreement with them and they pay us on, is it Cozy? Yep.
1: Yeah. Cozy so. is a great website for any potential people looking for a system for your tenants to pay you. It takes, the only downside, it's free, but it takes about seven days for the time they make a payment till it hits your bank account. But it's amazing for getting applications and all kinds of stuff. So just want to give a shout out to Cozy, mm-hmm. who did not sponsor this podcast. <laughs> but,
0: but we anyway. like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that one has been... Doing its own thing now. For all that time, I, I got to decorate the place. Yes, that that's fun. is that that's your favorite part of yeah. the whole real estate investing <laughs> journey? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I'm an
1: expert shopper on Amazon I, and Zulily.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, any other websites you'd like to? Uh, I dibble and dabble with <laughs> Walmart.com, <or> Target. <laughs> um, but they, no, they I look mean, amazing. I I I like to do it um to decorate in general so um when i have a whole nother space that i get to just go decorate it's kind of fun like Mm -hmm. what what girl doesn't like that come on Mm -hmm. but um so got to decorate the basement apartment and now it's been rented out doing its own thing the cabin nick bought Close to Kellogg. A cabin in Wardner um, that he actually lived in when I first met him, when he was a car salesman. So it was a little sentimental. Uh Uh-huh. So it was a little sentimental, and I was like, why are you buying that thing? We're never going to be able to get the money out of it, blah, blah, blah. Now, of course, we're making really good money. He
1: structured that deal very creatively, too. he did. As a real estate agent, you can kind of use your commission sometimes as a down payment. So he almost bought that thing for free, if I remember right.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the his commission was the down payment, and mm-hmm. so we didn't have to bring any money to the table for mm-hmm. it, yeah. and I think maybe if we did, it was like $200 or something, mm-hmm. um, and then, yeah, our our monthly payment on it, I think, is like $500 a month. Yeah, it was
1: like a $99,000 cabin right or something. Yeah,
0: so it's a really low monthly payment, but we've managed to have it rented out, basically. We bought it. Was it last October? And then we had to do some just cosmetic stuff. We painted the whole inside of it, and then I got to decorate it. (laughs) Um, And then we put it on Airbnb, and it has been renting out and, you know, making more than the $500 mortgage payment. I think with mortgage and water and everything, we have to clear, like, $800 dollars a month or something to break even to break even and we had a couple come over to this area from Seattle at the start of March I think they were getting away from the lockdown and everything um Mm -hmm. and they quarantined basically at our cabin for three months and they paid full price for it for Mm -hmm. three months so um it's been and then we've had people in it all summer long um it sleeps how many? It can sleep eight. Eight. Yeah. Was it
1: difficult to set up on Airbnb, or how did that process go for you?
0: Um, not horribly difficult or anything. It's um, Nick is like the owner, and I am what a co-host. Uh huh. So um, he just made me a co-host for the property, and then I we put all the pictures on there and everything. We had Jeremy our photographer with Ginger Snap go out and take some Mm -hmm. professional photos of the place once we got it all decorated and everything. And, yeah, just put those online, wrote up a description and everything, and it's really just walk through every. Airbnb makes it very intuitive. You just... Mm
1: -hmm. Did you put it on VRBO too?
0: I did not do the cabin on VRBO, um, just for various reasons. Um, I probably should. But even with the other one, the basement apartment, we only ever got one booking on VRBO mm-hmm. with that one. I don't like VRBO as it's much as Airbnb. It's definitely not as user-friendly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I'm kind of being stubborn and just doing Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it. I that. like it better. Uh-huh. <laughs> then you don't have to <laughs> this manage. This a podcast sponsored by Airbnb. Yeah. No. Then you don't have to manage two calendars, which they honestly just link up and stuff yeah. like that. But, um For some reason from my phone, I was looking at the calendar and it didn't show my VRBO booking and I was all freaking out like, ah, and then I got So how
1: much time would you say it takes you to manage it? What do you also
0: clean it or how do you do that? At the moment I clean it sometimes, um, we've got to, we've got one gal who is cleaning it occasionally for us. I am very particular about how it's cleaned. Um. And just with timing and things like that, I think I need to get some other people out there to clean it just to make sure that because the the girl that's cleaning it right now also has another job. So um, just need to make sure we have people available to clean it. Mm -hmm. Since I am just working for Nick right now, if I have availability, I'll go out there and clean it to save us the money for the cleaning, which is not that much. It's like eighty five dollars. So. And it's built into the Airbnb cost. Mm -hmm. So it's really just whatever. But if I don't have anything else to do, I'll go out and clean it. Mm -hmm. Um, There, one drawback so far is that there's not um, trash pickup out there. Mm. It's kind of a secluded spot. There is the ability for it. Like they maintain the road and everything and it's, but we need to call and set that up. And then also we'd have to figure out if they'd have to bring the trash all the way down, it's like a quarter mile long driveway. Mm-hmm. So if they had, if we had to bring the trash all the way to the end, I don't know if that would really help, um, people who are staying at the Airbnb, like, Oh, do you want to go trek down the garbage cans a mile in, it? or, you know, a quarter mile down the road. Right. Um, so there's some little things like I drive out there when we do have people stay in there for long term. I drive out like every week and a half or two weeks and pick up a bunch of trash and take it to the dump. Uh-huh. Um, but otherwise, it's you know other than cleaning, which I just need to get more people involved so that I have consistent stuff going on there. Then I would very rarely. We just have to respond when they when people ask us questions about it mm-hmm. or whatever on Airbnb. Has that
1: been fine? Is it getting annoying to have? It's the... been fine.
0: Yeah. We there's really only in the winter time there were a couple of guests who. And I say in the listing, you know, that the road is maintained, but it can get icy. We live in North Idaho and it snows here. So Mm -hmm. make sure you're driving a good car that can get back there Mm -hmm. on potentially icy roads. And so there have been a couple of times where people have been like, can you come help us? We're stuck or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we live 45 minutes away. Like, yeah, I mean, fortunately, one time Nick was able to go out there he's like the girl just wasn't driving fast enough on the road so um which can be scary to drive fast on icy roads but Mm -hmm. um it's kind of a little hill and you got to get up over it Mm -hmm. and then somebody else got stuck but then they were able to get themselves out before gotcha yeah so that's otherwise it's been really easy there are improvements that we have been making to the cabin, but that's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily have to do it for the Airbnb, like, but we added a deck and outside seating, so then, you know, we could potentially up our, our price on it mm-hmm. or whatever we want to put in a hot tub eventually. Yeah. Then we'll be I able. I think to, that'll definitely raise your price. <laughs> yeah, then then we'll be able to charge more for it. Um, but there's also like if we add the hot tub. We need to probably add another, do something with the electrical because right now they, they'd have to tie it into the bathroom, and then nobody could use a hairdryer. Oh, so, yeah, challenges. Yeah. yeah, little. I mean, this cabin was built in like 1904, so it's got some. There are just little things. Do you have goals to get
1: more Airbnbs, or do you feel like I don't want to manage too many, or how do you feel about
0: that? Um, I think it could be fine to do a few more, Um, even with, you know, if I got them set up kind of on autopilot with the cleaning and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, That's, if you have multiples, it's kind of a lot of moving parts. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, I mean, we make money with it, so it's a very good investment. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not opposed to doing more. But if I... If we do get more, I have to figure out different. Does the whole
1: COVID environment currently give you pause to do this kind of stuff, or do you think it's actually working out even better because, like you said, there were people that wanted to just quarantine and
0: stayed longer? It's worked out for us. It's it's totally worked out for us. Randomly, you know, I was worried when this all started happening that, you know, everybody was going to be canceling left and right, um, due to our location and more lenient rules regarding COVID. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people have still been wanting to come over here Mm -hmm. and that's made our cabin more um, popular. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's, it's, helped us for sure. But I mean, there are certain things that I, you know, I go in and clean the cabin. I'm like, hopefully nobody in here had COVID. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Just thoroughly cleaning. Yeah. I mean, and, and then I also want to make sure, and that's why I, I just want to make sure that the people that I do hire to clean the place know exactly what's expected. I want to make sure that it's, Mm -hmm. you know, sanitized so that I'm not putting guests who are coming to have a vacation into a potentially dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. So right on mm-hmm. so where would you say um you will be five years from now retired no <laughs> <laughs> no seriously could be. um no i mean i just want to get more involved with the business and keep helping build the business and build our um retirement and stuff like that make Mm -hmm. sure we're set up do you have a goal for how many doors you Mm, want to have i have not really thought about that i mean nick's always kind of talked about like oh we could get this much he was even saying the other day he's like well with our rentals and stuff like that we could potentially scale back on, like, how we spend money and just live really cheaply and we could retire almost right now. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't want to retire on that yet. (laughs) Yeah. So. um, They call that
1: lean fi, lean financial independence. You just now have enough where if you had to
0: quit, you could maybe do it.
1: We'd be fine. But you want to get to fat fi. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I want to be able to take vacations and travel the world Mm -hmm. and pay for my kids' college or help them at least with it Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, And honestly, I don't think Nick could ever sit still. So even though he's setting himself up so that he could potentially retire in five or 10 years, I don't think he ever will. It's more about
1: the freedom and the flexibility, I think, to to achieve that level where money isn't as much of a concern. You don't have to do something you don't want to do. Yeah, You can choose the clients you want to work with. Mm Mm-hmm and not work with the jerks
0: and I think you know for now I I don't know that I'd really I'd probably go crazy if I just really retired Mm -hmm. you know my kids are going to be going into school in a little bit if they ever open back up Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and then I'd really be like for the majority of the day like what am I doing with myself yeah and I just feel better about Contributing to our – and bettering our financial bearing and everything, you know, just making sure that we're set up long-term. Mm-hmm. Stuff happens, and I want to make sure that we're set up and that I'm working towards that and that I'm not just drawing on our reserves or whatever. Right. So. Do you have any, like, side passions or things that if if you did retire, you'd want to pursue more? Um. I don't know. Uh, there are like I used to hike a lot. Mm-hmm. Used to go camping and backpacking a lot. I haven't really been able to do that since we've been so busy and had kids. Yeah. So I mean, there are things like that that I'd like to do more. I've mentioned to you. I I have a plan to make some blankets, <laughs> do some sewing, <laughs> but I can never get around to it. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I have all these ideas of things that I want to do around the house. Like Mm -hmm. I want to make some planters. I know how to make them. I just need the time to go and do it and go Mm -hmm. get the wood and do it. Yeah. Um, there's lots of things that are always floating around in my brain. Yeah. That I'd occupy myself with, but, um, play some pickleball with Joe and Cameron. It's about time. (laughs) It's about damn time. Um,
1: what would you say for other couples struggling with, like, one person super entrepreneur, maybe a risk taker, and the other person isn't? Is there any
0: advice you would give? Um, just to try and get involved and understand what they're doing. I mean, like, like I mentioned, I made Nick walk me through how he does these, how he decides that it's a good deal. Because I see these old places that he gets, and I'm like, no, why would, no, uh why would, I wouldn't touch that with, <laughs> <Nuh-uh>. you know, <laughs> a 10-foot pole, but then he walks me through it all, and it, it makes sense, and it's hard sometimes going through a flip, you come, you know, problem after problem after problem, not knowing the right contractors, or this is one piece of advice is... It seems too good to be true, it probably is. We've <laughs> we had some rough learning experiences on our first flips with people who said they were contractors, or they could do this, we can do this, and then the window's not actually screwed to the wall or whatever. So Or the plumbing is or the plumbing's messed up. Or, backwards or whatever. Yeah. I think
1: would you agree a big lesson is you know, hire it out, pay a little bit more versus Mm -hmm. trying to cut corners and just,
0: yeah. Um,
1: Especially for, you know, licensed jobs like plumbing and electrician.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, the first one or two flips that we did, we did a lot of the work ourselves, you know, gutting it, cleaning it out, painting, things like that. But yeah, hire out your electricians and your plumbers and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, They're going to save you money in the long run if Mm -hmm. you just get it done right the first time so that you don't have to spend money redoing something that was done incorrectly. Um, And it's for your peace of mind. You know, you're going to resell these properties or you're going to rent them out. You want to have pride in your work and make sure that people are happy with what you sold them and not thinking you're, you know, like a, I don't know. A loser. Ripping I was. What's the snake? I don't know. Anyway. Shady. Yeah, shady. Shady person. So anyways, yeah, I just, we have been learning, you know, to just make sure that you know who you're working with Mm -hmm. and if you have to pay a little bit more to get it done right, ultimately it's going to save you money because you're not going to have to tear it out and have it redone by somebody who knows how to do it right later.
1: Yeah. Probably would have saved you guys thousands mm-hmm. in the long run if you would have just taken that advice.
0: But. Yep. Yep.
1: Also, I think getting a home inspection is another big lesson. Nick used to just walk through properties with a contractor. And now even when it seems pretty simple, he gets a home inspection. Just, you just don't know. You don't Some know. surprises. And even when they you do have that, there's going to be surprises. But yeah. just, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it served you guys bo- well to both have, in general, easygoing personalities too.
0: I, I don't know. Would so you, you say you think, that? <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick is more easygoing than I am, but um, I am very type A. <laughs> but, <laughs> Hillary wears the pants if you guys didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, I mean, like, I trust my husband. I know he's not an idiot. Took a little bit of time to learn that. <laughs> but I, I trust my husband and I... You know, he's proven himself and everything. And so sometimes now when he shows me something that I, my initial reaction is like, no, I just say, just do what you (laughs) got to do. Do what you got to do. And now that I'm working with him, I, I guess I have to get a little bit more involved. Um, But it's good. I want to know exactly what we're doing. I want to be able to help him. You know, economies of scale and scope and things like that, and make sure that we're not wasting money on things um, that we have in the past. So, yeah. Gotcha.
1: <laughs> well, thanks, Hillary. Yeah, thank you for, for having me. Just a delightful conversation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I hope some people could take away some, you know, ideas. And I think just getting on the same page with your partner and, and having them explain things if, if you don't understand, if you're not the investor,
0: mm-hmm. seem
1: to have really helped you guys. Definitely. And, uh, and pickleball helps, too, so you should really it play it.
0: you got to keep active. <laughs> Next time, we'll bring wine.
1: Wine and pickleball, everybody. <laughs> Join us on the Atlas Courts.
0: <laughs> For sure. All, All right. right. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Shed Podcast. Please like the video and subscribe to the channel for instant access to all future episodes. If you or someone you know has investing experience or stories to share, reach out to us in the comments or via email.